You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Sarah, we are in baseball. Like, we are, like... We have things to talk about. And I know we were so excited to have things to talk about in spring training. But now we have like real things to talk about. And this is just so much better. And I can tell by like the smile on your face right now that you feel the same way. Probably No, you don't feel the same way. Probably a trillion times more than I do. But it's just so nice to be at this point in the year again. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. I mean, we have talked at length about how much we love spring training, both as a fan product and just overall as something to attend and cover and all of that. But nothing beats real baseball during the regular season that matters. These losses, these wins are going to matter for teams making the playoffs and not. And I do have to say, you know, I was at the WBC, we were all watching on TV, and I had this moment where I was like, is the regular season going to be a little bit of a letdown after all this, even for a minute, just because of how dramatic those moments were. And I have to say, and I'm not just saying this because we're an MLB podcast, I'm not <laughs> just saying this because of anything that people might be thinking, Luckily, I was wrong. It is different. We haven't had those dramatic moments, the Otani versus Trout type of moment, but these games have been really great, and there's been so much intrigue. I feel like so many people are aware of the changes to baseball in a really, really good way. And, you know, I wasn't sure because I live in a baseball bubble. So do you, so does everyone we work with. It is the main thing we know about, we talk about, we think about all the time. But it really feels like there is a broader understanding among people who are sports fans, even if they aren't rabid baseball fans or work in the industry like us. There's an understanding that baseball is different and in a really good spot. Yeah, and to sort of explain that bubble, like, I don't think people understand. It's so funny because I'll be talking to my parents at some point and they might bring up something that's going on in the world, whether it be if it's something that's political or there was weather going on in some part of the country or there was like breaking news in like the celebrity world or whatever it might be. I get there, but it's like a week or two later or something. And I'll be like, oh, did you guys see that? And they're like, wait, are you joking? Did you, you're you seriously just now seeing this? Or they'll mention something and I'll be like, oh, what's that? And they're like, this is all the world is talking about. I'm like, not my world. Um, you really get into this bubble when the season starts. You can block out everything else. I know Twitter is trying to be as confusing as possible right now, but when you follow certain things, like my timeline is all baseball. That is all it is, um, except for like 
the women's basketball finals this weekend, it seemed like that sort of trickled in for a little bit. Um, I saw Caitlin Clark's name a thousand times, but outside of that, it's all baseball all the time and you get thrown into it. And it, it's the time of year where I realize like, my job is so cool. This is so fun. All I need to focus on every single day is baseball. And now we can talk about the first um, few games here that uh, opening weekend plus like the starts of the series. So like we're going into this is, at the time we're recording this. There's still what two teams left who are undefeated. I think we have the twins and we have the Rays still at this point. Um <laughs> way too early to have major major predictions or realizations off of this stuff but there's been nothing too surprising so far and there's been things that we can at least discuss right now so Sarah I know you're the one monitoring every game at all times of the day big takeaways for you so far in the early days of this season well I'll say positive to start although I do think there is one a uh, big surprise for me so far, and it's negative. Hold on, so. hold on, hold on, hold on. Sarah's about to be negative. No, no, no. I'm no, I'm not negative, but it is a negative thing for this team. Okay. I am okay. not being okay. negative, but okay. I'm saying okay. like I want to talk like, about the, the Rays ending, and the Twins and the teams that are good. Okay. But Continue. we can't Sorry. ignore the fact that there is one team. <laughs> that is yet to win a game this year, and that is the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm not being negative. In fact, okay. I think... I'm just making sure. I think they will be fine, but it is very concerning that the issue, for the most part, has been really on the pitching side. I think we were expecting that with Reese Hoskins getting hurt and uh, Bryce Harper not back yet and all of that, that the issue for this team might be offensive, that maybe they wouldn't be clicking on all cylinders the way they would expect to be. But instead, we've seen, I mean, two really high-scoring games between them and the Rangers, and then they had one run game they lost with the Rangers, and then yesterday with the Yankees, the game kind of got away from them. We have not seen a pennant winner start 0-4 in a really long time. And they are looking to avoid becoming the first pennant winner to start 0-5. So no reigning pennant winner has started 0-5. There are six. They are the six to start 0-4. The 1984 Orioles, 1971 Reds, 67 Dodgers, 41 Reds, and 1917 Dodgers. So this is not the villain team that anyone was expecting. I mean, when we were talking with Anthony Tacoma, we were talking about how this team, and last week when you and I did our preview, I was saying I would believe that this team made it back to the World Series again. I still think I expect that from them, or I expect that as a possibility. But I, I do have to say that is the one surprise for me so far. If they would have a, a four-game losing streak in the middle of the season, it's not as alarming. Because it's the first four and you have that big goose egg in the win column, 
it seems like it's alarming. And so I know Anthony Kastrovince, our wonderful national writer that we have for MLB.com, he did a story, I think it was like over after the weekend of like overreactions on Twitter that he broke down that he saw of people saying like either, okay, this guy could be the MVP this year or this team is awful and it's way too soon was the general consensus of that story to try to make those grand of points. Do you think it's wrong to say that it's alarming that they lost the first four? Because if you think about it, four losses are just four losses, but because it is to start the year, do you think it's justified to say that it's alarming at this point? I don't know if alarming is fair. That's a pretty strong word. I think it is concerning. I think that any time you lose an Aaron Nola and a Zach Wheeler start back-to-back and you're the Philadelphia Phillies, you're relying on those two guys, that's pretty concerning. I do agree if this were a four-game losing streak and even May, we wouldn't care. But just seeing them come out this way against a team that we didn't necessarily have huge expectations for initially in the Rangers and see the Rangers be that offensive powerhouse that we know they have the capability of, that's when I start to get concerned. I don't think it's alarming unless they lose six, seven. You know, we get into some of the really historic bad starts. I will say they're getting closer to the amounts where, you know, teams to start when whatever the number may be don't usually make the playoffs, that kind of thing. But again, the other argument is get it out of your system now. True. And then play like gangbusters. I mean, this is a team that was, what were they, 21 and 29 through 50 last year. Right. Big turnaround. So we know it's possible. Okay. Well, we got we got the negative out of the way. What were your positives? Uh, we have to talk about the Rays, that yep. pitching staff. I mean, <laughs> again, we talked about them. And this is a team that for 10 plus years now, everyone says, you can never count them out. You never know what they're going to bring. Everyone thought they'd be good. I don't know that anyone thought that they would get off to their best start in franchise history. And what's been really encouraging is their starting pitching has been outstanding. They've allowed one run on nine hits in 23 innings. Their starting pitchers, 30 strikeouts in those four games. And as with always how it is with the Rays, It's something like, you know, Jeffrey Springs going out there and throwing six no-hit innings on Sunday. We knew he was on a pitch count. We knew he wouldn't necessarily go out there and throw more of that game. But just have these guys coming out, pitching really, really well. And by the way, Tyler Glass now has not pitched This is Shane McClanahan, Josh Fleming going tonight, and company. I mean, this is not even Tyler Glass now yet. So we may have underestimated the Rays entering the year. 
That's what I was going to say. I mean, the the talk is about how incredible their pitching is right now. And that's without their ace. And so to think about that depth there, he has what? What was it? The oblique? Was it oblique strain that he has? Left oblique strain? And so uh, those can those can be tricky. Those can take time. I've covered a couple of those where it's like, oh, it won't be that bad. And then it keeps lingering and you're asking for updates. And they're like, oh, another week and we'll check back. And it just keeps going. Well, geez, if this is what's going to be how it's filling in behind him, they're okay for now. And then imagine when he gets back into the mix, his rotation could be a lot better and I, I hate to say a lot better than expected because this team, in the same way that the Guardians sort of are, it seems like they always find pitching somehow. They always find an answer and figure it out, like you said, how they're always a team that you can't count out because they figure it out no matter what it is. But I, I agree. I think this might be a little underestimated. Again, could be an overreaction. Four games in. I get it. This is a four-game win streak. Everyone's like, okay, cool. They went on a little run. But it's still it's that's that's fun I, I couldn't imagine being in that clubhouse right now because that would be those guys would have to be pretty fired up because this is this is a this is a good way to start and set the tone going into a new and then the other undefeated team again as of when we're talking is the minnesota twins whose starting pitching has also been really good i believe they've allowed like four runs no yeah, the Twins have allowed five runs total, and the starting rotation has allowed just two of those. Over 21 and a third innings, this is what we're seeing is the key to these good starts is the pitching. But again, the Twins are looking to start 5-0 and for the third time in franchise history the last time they did it, 1968 before the mound was even lowered. I mean, a long time ago, and they've looked really good. We talked about with Doe and with you how it's going to be really tight between them and the Guardians this year. And again, yes, we're four games in, but this is certainly the best-case scenario twins that we've seen so far. The, tw- the Twins could be dangerous, and I think we made that very clear when we previewed this with Doe and we talked about the AL Central. This team is, right now, they the, in the division, you want to focus on the Guardians because they're the reigning champs, and it's like, okay, well, they're the favorite until proven otherwise type of deal. Everyone always wants to say the White Sox finally have to get it together. They're, there's no way that they, they struggle again. They have to be able to put this together, and this is their year. But, again, it's the same narrative every year, and they have some sort of black cloud, it seems like, over them at some point during the season that just prevents them from getting into that ro- that rhythm. And I don't know, the Carlos Correa saga that was this offseason and how he ends up back there, everything points to they could be this dangerous team as long as they stay healthy. And now we're already starting to see the question marks there. Like, wasn't expecting it to already be this early, but you saw Max Kepler exit yesterday during the game um, it didn't seem like uh, Rocco Baldelli was concerned about it, but they pulled him. It's early in the year. It's cold. It's all these things. You want to make sure that they get off their feet um, and that they're not playing through things that could become something bigger if they didn't address it right away. Um, but it's just right knee soreness for now, but you just never know. It always seems like there's something that could be 
like with Tristan McKenzie in spring training, the Guardian said that they pulled him like in a precautionary measure just to make sure that he was okay when he felt tightness. And that ended up being that upper terrace major muscle that is taking over Major League Baseball somehow. And it seems like every pitcher, that's the injury that they're getting. I don't know. It's like four years ago, we had never heard of this muscle. And now it's like everyone has, I don't know. Anyway, that's my own little soapbox that I can get on later. But um, it's just, you never really know. And if it's already starting with the twins, it's just like, we can't do this again, can we? Can we watch this yet again? Um, so that's my biggest thing is I want to sit here and project that the twins could run away with the division because their, their team seems so great. But I, in the back of my head, it's like, I can't trust that, that, that this lineup would stay healthy. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing to watch this year. There's one other team I want to call out and I feel like we could go on forever, but we won't go for what every team has done the first five days. Sure. I promise. But I do want to call out the Rangers, who I mentioned uh, scored all of those runs in their first two games against the Phillies. 27 runs in the first two games, tied for the second most by any team in its first two games of the season, and same stat for first two games under a new manager, both of those since 1900. And... Bruce Bochy on Sunday. So they won 2-1. to one. The Rangers had the fewest one-run wins last year in the majors. They had 15. And during the Sunday baseball broadcast, at one point, Carl Ravitch said, believe he referred to Boch as the maestro because twice in the game, he brought in a reliever. In the tight spot, and the reliever gotten out on one pitch, a pop fly, and uh, I think another uh, pop out in foul territory or something. And obviously, most of that is luck. But you watch this team maybe performing in these first few games a bit better than people might have expected. I mean, Jacob DeGrom. Did not look good on opening day, and it didn't matter. One of my friends texted me and said, Hey, did he not pitch? Because they saw what the score was, and they figured, Oh, he must have not been healthy. To go out and still win that game, win the next day. They're 3-1 right now. Very early, but they're looking... Again, like the best case scenario for them. And I think you can see what the influence of a manager possibly can be. And we've talked about how it's impossible to actually know. But you start to see how the Rangers, no disrespect to previous regimes, but they just seem different this year than in past years. And you had those two little nuggets that went along with with the Rangers. I think some of the best parts of getting baseball starting again is seeing history being made. And like the best part of baseball is that that can happen any given day. It's not like it's it's not like it's rare where there's random times throughout a, a season, whether it's sports, whatever, whatever sport you're watching. 
It just doesn't seem like records are set or history is made as frequently as baseball. Now, could be because baseball has insane amounts of data everywhere and you're tracking every little thing, sure. But that's what makes it so great. And so we had another one of those in a game I was covering over the weekend, which was fun for you to be able to to find. And I know Guardians fans went crazy whenever you tweeted that out. But like Tim Heron is someone who most people listening to this would never have even heard of. Um, he was a minor league guy. He's a lefty reliever and he made his major league debut over the weekend. Um, not sure like really if he would have been the guy that they filled the bullpen with. He had a great spring, but, uh, I don't know if he would have been the guy that they picked for that last bullpen spot until their other lefty reliever, Sam Hentges got hurt during spring training and they were going to be without any lefties in the bullpen if they didn't carry him. So it was like, all right, well, this makes sense. Heron can fill in for now and see how he does. I don't think anyone was expecting him to be as unbelievable as he was. He faced four batters in his debut. He struck them all out. It prompted me to ask my first random question time of the year. I came over to you. I'm like, um, four is an odd number. No, not odd. That's the wrong word because it's an even <laughs> number. It's a strange number. Let me use that better. It's a strange number to ask about because what is four? You, you usually go in innings, but is this something that would be worthwhile? And then whenever you send me, oh, this is fun. I'm like, oh boy, Sarah's got the juicy stats. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, and you did find it. Like you found that. Um, and then Elias then helped confirm that it's been since what the mound was moved to the distance that it is now in 1893 that anyone had ever come out and faced at least four batters and struck them all out in a first appearance of a career that's as awesome as it gets you could tell he was so jacked up whenever we talked to him he was very nervous which was sort of wholesome um he didn't really know how to talk to media afterwards it was great i love all that he was all nervous that the camera was on him and he wasn't sure how to do it it was great um but everyone in that room was so pumped for him they're they're on a rip and a tear right now too they've gotten off to a really strong start after losing that first game and looking abysmal and then turning around and being the guardians that we're used to seeing last year um but tito i think said it best he was like we aim to win this game but after watching him i think no matter what if we would have won or lost like we would have been happy um anyway because of the way that he pitched and the way that he was and i just thought it was so it was so cool because like Nobody like has seen something like that in since 1893, which isn't even a number that I think should be associated with baseball, but it's incredible. And so that those types of things are make me so like, that's what makes me so excited that baseball is back. And I love that, by the way, because, you know, I told this story on uh, the Baseball Night podcast the other day talking to Buster Olney. And I said, you know, I watch every game. I try to keep up with everything I can. But the amazing thing about my job is that I have teammates like you who reach out and say, hey, this guy just debuted and did this thing because I was watching, but I wasn't aware of that. You know what I mean? Like, I saw it happen. I was like, okay. I didn't realize it was his debut. I didn't realize she struck out all four guys. And then to be able to dig into that, I mean, that was really, really fun. I know. And I even had uh, some people say, like, I saw on Twitter people saying, like, oh, it's always the best when we have a Mandy and Sarah collaboration. And I'm like, yes, it is. Baseball is back, everybody. So, yes, 
fun moment, fun opening weekend. And I'm so excited for this season to continue. And because it just doesn't get better than this. And I think your Twitter shows it by itself. So if anyone needs to see how much we're into it, just follow Sarah on Twitter and you'll see how excited we we are. I, I, I mimic that same excitement level, but I just don't show it as well as Sarah does. But we could go on and on about opening weekend takeaways. We'll stop now because we've already blabbered too much about it. Um, biggest thing that we didn't even get to is now there's new rules. And there's that's been one of the biggest focal points. So um, we can get into that more and uh, some other fun things whenever we come back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mandy, that's Sarah, and let's get into probably one of the biggest things people were talking about all weekend, all the new rules. We, we have pickoff rules, we have pitch timers, we have infield shift limitations, we have all of the stuff. Um, and it's been interesting to see, there's been a mix of emotions about all of it. You have some people all excited for most of this, you have some people who uh, aren't in favor of it. It's just been, it's been sort of interesting to sit back and watch and see how everyone's taking it in, but it just seems like everyone's sort of, at least in the league, the grand majority of these people have adjusted pretty well. And it seems like it's been pretty seamless overall, which is a nice takeaway. Definitely. I mean, you know, we both got to see in person the way specifically the pitch timer would go Mm -hmm. uh, in spring training. But I was really interested to see how it would go during the regular season, games Mm -hmm. mattering a bit more of pressure and everything. And the biggest thing I can say about it is that I'm not aware of it. I mean, every now and then, pitcher gets called for a violation batter gets called, but generally it's not intrusive in the way that you watch a game, consume a game, especially, I mean, for me, I haven't been to the ballpark yet. I will be hopefully next week, uh, but certainly watching at home. I have watched every RSN. I know how everybody does the graphic with the mm-hmm. countdown. We're not aware of it, and I think that's a really good thing. And again, I mean, I have said this at this point countless times. I love this game. I didn't feel it was too slow. But now that we see this and we see that sort of bat being trimmed in games, you see how crisp they can be, and it's really, really cool. I think... Like this, this day, whatever day this is, is the most you will ever really focus on it. Because the longer this is around, the more and more it'll wear off and you just 
it's just there and it's not something that we focus on. Um, and I, I truly believe that that'll start to fade each day as we continue to go on. Um, whether you like it or you don't like it, like that's just the reality of how it's going to go. It's just, it's going to be there and it'll just start to fade as this goes on. I will say it made for an insane atmosphere in Seattle when I was there, uh, for opening weekend, the guardians were playing the Mariners and early in the series, James Karinczak showed that he had some, uh, some problem, a problem with it. I shouldn't even say some, he had a pitch violation, against him and that caused a packed house at t-mobile park to go insane and it was it made it feel like a playoff atmosphere and i can't even express how cool that was like i don't care what the reasoning was behind it but then the crowd got so into the pitch timer that as it was counting down they were screaming the numbers it was the loudest i've ever heard a huge group in unison chanting anything. And even my parents were texting me. My mom was up watching every game and she was texting me saying, this is the loudest I've ever heard a crowd come through the TV. You could hear them clear as day counting the numbers down. Um, and we even talked to Karen Chick afterwards. He's like, I love it. Like, that's what you play this game for. Like, that's that energy. It's so fun. Like, that's I, I know it didn't end up going in his favor that night. He had his retaliation later where he bounced back and all that stuff in the series. But that atmosphere, that's fun to feel in March or April or whatever day that you're playing early in the season, because usually you've got to wait a long time. October is so far away at this point to feel like that. And I know the WBC felt like that. It's fun to feel that type of atmosphere early in games. So, uh, so far in person, I've only experienced like great atmospheres because of it. And a very similar thing happened at Yankee Stadium on Saturday with Camilo Duval in the game for the Giants. He showed some trouble maybe adjusting the pitch timer. In spring training, I believe I saw him make his spring debut, actually. And he got a, maybe two violations, and then he went to the WBC, so maybe he got a little bit less time with it. But uh, it was a close game. The Giants were on the verge of finally winning. I mean, I guess they'd only played one other game. My finally comes from my mother, who is a Giants fan, and the way she approaches her team. So no disrespect to the Giants. Anyway, it was this super dramatic moment. I think it was 7-5 runners on. By the way, this guy was like pitch black at 6.45 p.m. because it was about to torrentially thunderstorm. So if he were to blow the game, they probably would have gone to a delay. All of this going on, he gets called for a violation. He's clearly a little perturbed. And again, the crowd got into it. I don't think they were doing the counting down, which I did hear when I was watching your game. But you got that extra level of, I mean, fans will start hooting and hollering over anything at a game, right? And I mean that in the best way possible. Good, clean, fun is a big part of games. Giving them another sort of jumping off point is something that I certainly didn't even see coming. We didn't see in spring training because the games were exhibitions. 
This is going to be really fun as these games progress, as the season progresses. I mean, the Mariners fans were doing that to James Karinczak in like the second and third games of the season against a non-divisional opponent. Think about September. Think about October. It's going to be really, really cool. Yeah, it's going to be insane. And then I'm also interested to see how like shifting changes, how many times, I think we already saw it where teams try to go with that like two outfielder approach and then you move the guy from left over into shallow right. Like whatever you're doing, I, like I'm, I'm interested to see the strategy that comes with it. It adds a different layer to the game. Uh, I just don't know how to really project how this stuff will unfold. So it's sort of, interesting uh intriguing whatever it might be to just follow along and go along with the ride and and see how these play out so um I also know that there's minor league stat stuff that is way out of my comfort zone that I know you want to get into so how about you also explain to me as you're explaining to everybody some new stat stuff that is out there. <laughs> okay, so first of all, not outside of your comfort zone at all. This is very digestible, and that's why it's okay. so exciting. Good, so good. if you follow me on Twitter or you're familiar with Baseball Swan, you know that we have something called the Game Feed, where you can track live during game pitch speeds, exit velocities, home run distances. Now, for the first time, on Baseball Savant, we have official game feeds for AAA games as well, and I believe it will be for any minor league ballpark that has StatCast, so there may be some others in there as well. So what this means is that when a prospect on your team you're very excited about it. if you're a fan or someone you're covering as they make their way up to the majors, Mandy hits a home run. We can go and find out how far that home run was. And I know a lot of these teams have what's called uh, like pitch FX or other, uh, other outfits basically that tell them these kinds of numbers. What is really cool is now that we have official StatCast numbers for these games. So I'm just looking back, and as of right now, there have been three full days in AAA. And on AAA opening day on uh, March 31st, former, I believe, guardian Jake Bowers hit the longest home run, 446 feet. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio, Mets prospect, had a 109.3 mile an hour batted ball. There was a Jorge Alfaro, who of course has been a major leaguer, is currently in AAA with the Red Sox. Uh, on April 1st, he had a ball 116 miles an hour. Mark Vientos of the Mets hit a 450-foot home run. Some minor leaguer for the Reds named Joey Botto. And I, uh, Who's that four, guy? He had a 448-foot home run. So again, when guys are rehabbing, you also get that if they're playing in these games. 
and you just get these really cool graphics where we can keep track of all of this. So just a really fun way to keep an eye on who's next or potentially guys rehabbing. And I mean, a 450 foot home run is really, really fun no matter where it's hit and mm -hmm. who hits it. So just a really fun thing to be able to keep track of. I'm thankful for this podcast because I didn't realize this was a thing. So I'm glad that I know now because, I mean, there's so many people who want more information on minor league stuff, especially in AAA. You have so many guys who are sitting there who, like, fans are begging to come to the big leagues. Fans are excited about I know from my personal experience, I'm going to have so many people saying, when's Bo Naylor coming up? And I know that that's going to be every day on Twitter all the time. I get it. And I know that the excitement level's there. So whenever you're able to report, thinking from my side of this, uh, this perspective, like I, to have more information to put out there for people to say, okay, not only is he hitting home runs, but he's hitting them like, like you said, he's hitting 450 footers out there. Like he's really seeing the ball well right now. Or just exit velocities, just things like that where you can say he's squaring up the ball so well. He's seeing it so well right now. More than just seeing a box score at the end of the night where he went two for three, but you don't know if that single that he hit was this little bleeder that just dropped over the first baseman's head and was like a miss hit or if it was a missile into like left field, whatever it might be. That stuff's important to know. It's important for fans to know so they know if this guy is ready to go, if he's knocking the door down, if he, they should start getting excited like, all right, is, is Tito going to make this move? Is this team going to make this move? I think that's huge to have for minor leagues, and I'm so excited that we have it. Absolutely, and I realized that I didn't say how you can access it, so I'll make oh, sure. Oh, yeah, to... go ahead and put that in there. <laughs> so uh, if you go to the Baseball Savant page, you go at the top, the uh, second from the left, it says Game Feed. You click on that, you get all major league games, and it says, for instance, today it says 14 MLB games. Click on the word MLB and you can change it to triple A. And so any date you go to, you go to that drop down. For instance, right now, uh, producer Alana Syracuse Mets are playing and Mark Vientos has already hit a ball. 110.8 miles an hour today on Tuesday. And someone named Bubby Rossman, who I feel like Alana might have a fun story for us about, uh, threw a ball 96.9 miles an hour. So again, it's live, it's there. You go to Baseball Savant, Game Feed, and then change the drop down to say Triple I. Don't mind me taking notes over here so that I remember how to get to that. Okay, that is jotted down. I'm all set. I hope everyone else is too. Okay, perfect time now. We'll step aside when we come back. There's so much fun from baseball over the last week that we need as much time as we can to talk about it all. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com and Sarah Langs, researcher, the best of them all from MLB.com as well. Okay, favorite segment of the week, as always, 
getting into our favorite moments from baseball over the last few days since we talked to you guys last. And we'll start with our lovely producer, Alana Schreiber. Uh, Alana, how about, how about you hit us with your favorite moment from the opening weekend? There's so many to choose from. So really quick honorable mention to Adam Wainwright singing the national anthem. Um, especially loved the article I read where the headline was baseball pitcher and aspiring country singer Adam Wainwright, <laughs> which is great. I don't know that he'd ever been described that way in an article before, but <laughs> I mean, listen, the man's got pipes. That was pretty cool. Um, I think my favorite, even though it wasn't technically from last week, I found out about it last week, which is that Shohei Otani had like this list of everything he wanted to accomplish in his life that was published and put on Twitter. And I don't know if it's been verified, but it is just like the most specific list of everything he wanted to do year by year. It has him like age 28 is first son is born and then he wants the first daughter born and then he wants second son born he has that when he's 40 he's throwing a no hitter in his very last game he has exactly when he's going to start to teach his son baseball um he has at age 25 throw fastest pitch in the world 108 miles per hour he has win the world series and get married in the same year which i love because that just seems like a great year um and it's just amazing and it's been fun to see some of the things that have come true like age 27 member of japan wbc team and mvp he's mm. 28 but that happened so that's pretty cool and i'm just excited because i think for the rest of his career i'm just gonna cross check this list and see if he's you know accomplishing everything he set out to which is a lot but you know is he going to throw a no-hitter in his very last game? I really hope so. I love that list. I feel like it gets circulated every now and then. It's always so much fun to look at. And yeah, the fact that he did his WBC thing is awesome. And I do want to say for Wayno, uh, on Sunday baseball last year, one of the times when we had the Cardinals, we played one of his original songs. He has like a song he wrote and we played that, but he truly is an inspiring country artist. And like, not just because the newspaper was trying to hype him up, like he truly is. Yeah, and listen, I will always have a little bit of a bias against Wayno for breaking my heart in the third grade when he struck out Carlos Beltran to end the Mets World Series dreams. But, you know, after hearing that, I think I'm warming up. All right, Slangs, go ahead. Uh, so there were a lot. And um, hmm. I think I'm going to go with the single best news of the last week, which was from Liam Hendricks at the White Sox home opener yesterday on Monday. Uh, nobody knew this was coming, but as they're doing all of the intros, they play a video, an eight-second video on the video board that says, Hey, White Sox fans, want to let you know I'm finishing. I'm starting my last round of chemo today. See you guys at the ballpark real soon. If you don't know, he's dealing with an non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, I mean, he looked great in the video. I know that there have been reports about him working out and throwing, but I think that was just better than any singular baseball moment of the week of the year. I mean, just knowing 
that he is in the home trash of this, hopefully going to be okay. And just him saying see you guys at the ballpark soon was amazing. Yeah, that's great. I, I think the whole baseball world like stops everything whenever these types of moments happen. We've seen a couple players have to go through this. You think of Trey Mancini, you think of Carlos Carrasco. Um, it's easy to put baseball second then. And you look at this guy as a human. It's hard to see athletes as humans whenever they're just playing the game every single day. It's just this pawn in a game that you're rooting for that you hate, whatever it might be whenever you're watching as a fan. This is when you put that all aside and everyone becomes a fan of that type of a story, that type of a comeback. So to have that update, it's so heartwarming. It's so exciting. And I hope all of that comes true where he is back at the ballpark soon um, and you can see him back out there and he can just start to have that mental clarity of like getting over this hurdle. So I love that too. Hard to top that one. Um, You always do this to me, by the way. So this is your fault. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go with... Sort of another Shohei Otani moment, I guess. I, I have to go on him as much as we can because what is that man? Uh, when someone who is not human, who is one of the greatest players that this game has ever seen and seems humbled and honored to be in the presence of someone else, that's as good as it gets. And when MLB posted this photo of Shohei Otani seeing Ichiro Suzuki and him being so honored to be in his presence and bowing and taking his hat off. And they just said game recognizes game. One, can you even imagine being Otani in that moment that you would imagine that that's one of his heroes from the same country. You start thinking about like the impact that Ichiro has here, but I've heard the countless stories of people who have been with him covering him in games in Japan and how that man is like larger than life. He is not that celebrity doesn't even do it. He is like a God walking around there. People just adore, idolize every word you can imagine. So for Otani, who's larger than life in our game right now to be in front of him, to be like taking that moment in to bow down in front of him. Like I would love to be a fly on the wall and be able to hear what they would have talked about, what they would have been interacting about. Um, But that had to be a cool moment for both of them. And just as a side note, one of my favorite things about Ichiro is that this man is retired. He is not playing baseball yet. You never see him at a baseball field without being in full uniform. You are done with this game, sir. You are just like, what? Like I, I, he came out to give Julio Rodriguez his rookie of the year award on opening day. And he runs out in full uniform. Like I love that about him so much. This game means so much to him. So I'm sure that moment was just as cool for him as it was for Otani. I loved all of that. I love that. And I do have to say one other Seattle moment because I thought you were going to say it. I didn't. We had to mention Liam Hendrickson, proud of what I took, but we have to <laughs> mention this moment on opening day in front of Mandy in Seattle. I'll let her tell the whole story, but I was watching on TV. And they did a ceremonial rounding of the bases by a kid who was, what, like nine years old. Yeah. First of all, I never heard of a ceremonial rounding the bases, but it was incredible. 
and he meets Ty France and Julio at home place, and it was impossible to say who had the biggest smile that's of the those three. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like this kid won. He knew his assignment. He went burning around there. I wish StatCast would have been rolling on him because that sprint speed would have been elite. He took off. And uh, how can't you? You're in front of a packed house on opening day. Everyone's watching. He, he delivered. And Julio's standing there at home plate waiting for him to cross the plate. And he is so pumped for him. He's so excited. He's beaming. And I'm not trying to say that Ty France wasn't because he was. But Julio Rodriguez has a way about him that is just, there's a different level of energy there. And he is so jacked up at the plate waiting for this kid who he doesn't know. He's just trying to encourage. It's so sweet. Um, I use the word wholesome so much in this game, but it was. And so the kid crosses the plate. Julio gives him this big high five and they're so jacked up that he just did that. Pulls it like the three of them get together for a picture um, just right around home plate. That kid's going to remember that forever. He's young. He might not remember a lot or many things from like this time of his life. This one is ingrained in there. I know that that will not be leaving. I had to be so cool. And then the, the Mariners also had where the kids run out before the game and they go to each position and then the players come out and they come and meet them at their positions before the game starts. I think we're going to start seeing that happen more and more now the further we're removed from the heart of the pandemic whenever the ballparks were shut down. It was so nice to see this back again because you know me. I love any moment with kids involved in baseball. And so I just had my eyes fixated on Julio running out to see the little guy who was out in center field. Everyone gets a ball. They get to run out there, have the player sign it, and then they come running off. Well, the kid had a Julio jersey on, so he gets the ball signed, and then Julio spins him around and signs his jersey on the back too. And then they're sitting there, and he gives him like a fist bump, and he was just like talking to him, and then he just gives this like playful shove to get the kid like a little boost to run off the field. Kids sprinting, beaming, and I'm like, ah, this is so great. There's so many things that are so great, but I think Julio does it as good as anyone in this game to get kids super involved. So, yeah, we need it. I'm glad you brought that back up again because it gold, great moment. We needed that. We need that. And now, I mean, we could go on and on, but I think we have to cut ourselves off. We do. What? <laughs> we got like five out of the three of us because one had two. We and have a problem. you and I kind of had that shared other one. So we five is good. a problem. It's okay. <laughs> We're all catching the Sarah Langs effect here, just <laughs> naming as many as we can in this short period of time. So I'm ending it. That will do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next week.